Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco, Chris Brain, back with another exciting episode of The Crossover right here on 960theref.com, episode 45. So we're returning to the podcast, much like Michael Jordan returned to the NBA wearing number 45, although they didn't last very long. No, because they got bounced from the playoffs, and then he went back to 23. That's right. And then they won three more titles. That's absolutely correct. So uh, Michael Jordan... Uh, you know, one of the best, if not the best basketball player of all time. And the NBA playoffs going on right now, although we're going to hold off talking about that because it's kind of ongoing in the first round right now. So maybe uh, we'll check back in on the NBA after the first round and kind of set you up for the rest of the playoffs. We're going to talk plenty of G-Day, which by the time you guys listen to this, because we'll post it tomorrow, which is Friday. So G-Day, when you hear this, will be tomorrow. So looking forward to uh, the spring game uh, of course, Brahm and I will be at the UGA bookstore from uh, noon to 2, getting you ready for all things G-Day, all things Georgia football. So we'll hit that pretty hard. We're also going to talk about the Braves. And then sort of to end today, I wanted to talk about, we will get, I guess, get a little NBA in, although it's really only about one guy, and that's LeBron James. And his idea that he is the person or the first person to ever think about uh, having a bunch of guys sit down in a barbershop and talk to each other. Yeah, I've never seen that before. That's an interesting concept. That's not a trope that has been around in movies and media for decades or anything like that. I, I know the first time I, I can recall seeing it was in Coming, Coming to America. Coming to America. Yeah. <laughs> Man, absolutely. So we'll get to that at the end of the podcast here. But first and foremost, like I said, G-Day, the annual Georgia spring game coming up. And the big thing to talk about here obviously is Justin Fields I mean everybody is going to be very anxious to see Justin Fields will Georgia end up employing him in a similar way that they did DJ Shockley when David Green was the quarterback will it be kind of like a uh, or like a Chris Leak Tim Tebow situation at Florida will it be like that or will we see Fields more we see Fields less I don't think we're going to learn a lot on Saturday because Coach Smart isn't going to show his hand in terms of any sort of wrinkles or anything you might see with fields but I certainly think we'll see a lot of fields on G-Day and I certainly think a lot of Georgia fans are very excited about that yeah I mean the guy's going to be a star and uh, you know whether it's this year or a couple of years from now remains to be seen but I mean I think he's you know the the odds are very good that he's going to be a a terrific quarterback but uh, honestly I think uh, barring you know something happening to Fromm like what happened to Eason last year Fromm's going to take like probably Somewhere between 90 and 95% of the meaningful snaps for Georgia this year. He's mm-hmm. the team's starting quarterback. And, you know, this is the first time in how many years now that Georgia returns a quarterback who the previous season was terrific. 
um, since Aaron Murray. Aaron Murray was the last one. Yeah, I mean, like, Hudson Mason didn't have a terrible year individually, but that wasn't a great team. And then you went from Grayson, you know, to, to Grayson Lambert. And then from there, Eason's freshman season wasn't any good either. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of pressure on him coming in with Fromm breathing down his neck. But here it's like, it's funny that, you know, there's this idea that, that Fields now is breathing down Fromm ne- Fromm's neck. And, and Fromm had a, a terrific year last year. And it's we haven't had that out of a quarterback since... Uh, Aaron Murray, who, I mean, the way time flies, I mean, it seems like ages ago that Murray was Georgia's quarterback. And I mean, that was four starting quarterbacks ago now. That's right. So definitely uh, the, the quarterback position is always going to be the one that moves the meter, that gets the most attention. And we're certainly looking forward to seeing Justin Fields. But I think one thing that a lot of people are anxious to watch too is the running back situation because you're replacing – the number two and number three all-time leading rusher in Georgia history. So that's incredible that those two guys played on the same team at the same time and still ended up number two and number three on Georgia's all-time list. But you look at the way that these other running backs have looked. DeAndre Swift in particular, although it doesn't look like he's going to feature at G-Day. He's uh, dealing with a little bit of an injury. So it looks like we're going to see a lot of Brian Harrion, a lot of Elijah Holyfield, and then, uh, you know, maybe some other guys as well. But those are the two that I think a lot of people are really looking at because you already know what you're going to get with DeAndre Swift. And we've seen Harrion and Holyfield in passing. We haven't really seen them as feature guys. I know that Holyfield had that great touchdown run against Vanderbilt last year where he busted around the left side and just took it all the way to the house. But other than that, we haven't seen a whole lot there. Uh, Holyfield, had was it against Notre Dame? Was it Holyfield that had the kick return that got called back? Yeah, it was him. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, we, we've seen spurts, but we haven't seen you know it consistently because they were behind two of the best running backs, not just in Georgia history, but in SEC history, maybe even college football history. So. I think it was also Holyfield that was in on that play in the SEC championship game, at that touchdown that actually got called back because of a pick play, but they had him kind of lying oh, back yeah. in the backfield at fullback. But, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Holyfield and Harry, and we won't see them as feature backs this fall either. Maybe those are the guys that are going to get the bulk of the carries Saturday, and we already know that they're they're very good running backs too. But DeAndre Swift, you know James Cook is coming in; he's not here yet. And, and James Cook kind of seems like at least what a lot of people are thinking of that he's going to be sort of a a jack of all trades type guy for Georgia. He could end up being kind of like a a Brandon Smith, where you, not saying that he's going to play defense, but at least on offense you can employ him in a bunch of different sets, a bunch of different ways. And then, you know, I know you were probably about to get to this, but Zamir White, you know, he's obviously hurt right now, but what's he going to look like when we actually see him playing football? Yeah. I mean, we're not, obviously we're not going to see him Saturday, but I mean, he's been out there practicing this, you know, this spring. I mean, maybe not doing a ton, but the fact that he's even suited up, I think is beyond what anyone imagined uh, he'd be able to do at this point. So, I mean, I'm, I'm anticipating we're going to see him against Austin P. Uh, but, you know, maybe the coaches say, we don't need him against Austin P. We'll give him another week there. But, I mean, I, I, I think he's he appears to be on track to play this uh, season and play early. Well, look, ACL injuries just aren't what they used to be. With rehab, with medical technology, it just seems like you can get back from them a lot quicker. Look at Todd Gurley and what he did going into the NFL. Look at what Nick Chubb did with his. I mean, having a, what, 220-plus yard rushing game in his first game back a lot earlier than a lot of people thought he was going to be back. So the ACL injury, not what it used to be. So I totally agree that we could see Zamir White a lot earlier than people expected to. Yeah, I mean, I'm t- the, the unit that I am uh, most anticipating to watch on Saturday that I've heard a lot of um, 
you know, maybe not so much like publicly, but sort of quietly that people that have been out there to watch practice, they have raved about Georgia's offensive line, mm-hmm. the size of it. And, you know, this will be our first chance to see. I mean, Mays is just a true freshman anyway, but he's here so to get a look at him. But also, you know, our first real chance to get a glimpse at like Isaiah Wilson, to Torrey Johnson, some of those guys that came in last year and redshirted. Tom, I mean, Thomas, we already know, is excellent. He a great freshman year at right tackle. Now he moves to the left side. But, um, you know, Georgia's offensive line seems to be shaping up. Uh, you know, how we've been just praying for it, too, for years and years and years. And it's like we finally – we finally got to that point with the offensive line where it's not the major offseason concern. No, beefing up the trenches has certainly been something that this coaching staff has made priority number one. And you just look at the recruiting they've done on the offensive line, it's been pretty incredible. So that's definitely one to look forward to. Switching to the other side of the ball, you know, I think a lot of people think that whereas last season Georgia's defense paced the dogs at the beginning of the season until the offense could kind of catch up, especially with a freshman quarterback. Now it seems like a lot of people think the offense is going to have to pace this team while the defense kind of catches up because you lost a lot of good players on defense. I mean, Roquan Smith probably going to go top 10. I think his his floor would be 11 to your Dolphins, and I know you want that really badly. Um, That'd be nice. Yeah, but then you I'd also – I'd feel bad for him if he got drafted there because they're not very good. But. Well, uh, you know, they got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, true. So, uh, you know, that could be the case there. And then Lorenzo Carter doesn't look like he'll fall past like the middle of the second round. You've also gotten a Trenton Thompson that's going to go pretty highly, I would assume, somewhere in the second round in this draft. Uh, Davin Bellamy's gone as well. So plenty of guys to have to replace for Georgia's defense. You know, uh, there are guys that you're looking at uh, that, that certainly uh, will be able to step in. You look at a Tyler Clark, I think a lot of people like what he could do. Uh, Jonathan Ledbetter is another guy that a lot of people are, are really anxious to see take that next step, and, and that's just on the defensive line. Uh, yeah, I mean, the defensive line question is really it's about the depth there, and I mm-hmm. think that's what you've heard a lot of hand-wringing about in the uh, in the spring so far. There's not a, a problem with the quality there. It's the quantity. I mean, Ledbetter and Clark played more snaps at uh, in those spots last year than anyone else did, so you've got experience coming back. It's just you got to keep your fingers crossed that nobody up there gets uh, – gets injured and then you know you've all you have Julian Rochester uh Daquan Hawkins Munkle but Georgia really doesn't have a lot of help coming this summer at that spot you know that's certainly going to be a priority for uh for Kirby uh in the next uh in the next recruiting cycle I mean that's part of the reason I, I think that Tracy Rocker's no longer uh no longer here and Georgia made a change there at defensive line coach because there were two you know prominent linemen that we missed on in recruiting a couple of years ago Derek Brown and then Aubrey Solomon who went up uh, to Michigan, where because of weather they couldn't even play a spring game. So I hope he's enjoying it up there. Yeah, absolutely. Have fun with uh, Jim Harbaugh and uh, that whole situation. But Georgia's defense, you know, and it's not just you know defensive line. It's not just linebacking core. I mean, you're also having to replace a guy in the secondary and Dominic Sanders, who is one of Georgia's most important players. Yeah, I mean, there and you know there's a couple of other veterans like Aaron Davis and uh, right. and Malcolm Parrish, but. To me, the the two best players last year in Georgia's defensive backfield were uh, J.R. Reed and DeAndre Baker, and they're both back. They're both back. Yeah, and Baker, I think it's going to be preseason, first-team all-conference. Reed will probably end up like maybe – second teamer or something like that but we were looking at a 2019 nfl mock draft and deandre baker was like a top 10 pick yeah i you know honestly he was the 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 one player for me back in january that i was uh you know that 
yeah, I thought had a chance to possibly decide he wanted to leave early that would have maybe been as big a loss, if not a bigger loss, than some of those other ones that you already knew were gone. Right. Just because, I mean, the, then the secondary would really be kind of in uh, – in in wacky shape there where you're definitely looking at having to rely on some of these incoming freshmen coming in and I know you know that's one thing Kirby's talked about in this uh, spring is trying to light that fire through the media under you know some of these guys that have been in the system and been in the program now for a year or more that maybe aren't where he'd like them to be because Georgia's got a good signing class coming in this summer of true freshmen but I'm, I mean I'm sure Kirby would rather not have to use those guys as true freshmen, especially early in the year when you got to face Bentley in week two and then Drew Locke in week number four. He'd prefer if these guys that he'd like to think that he's developed them to a point where they're at least going to be ahead of these kids that aren't even here yet. One thing that's funny about spring games, and this is where people can let, you know, gas baggery uh, rule the day sometimes. When I say gas baggery, I mean the talking heads that say, oh, well, you can't take too much from a spring game, you know. Look. I was watching that game last year, and I know that it was only a spring game, but watching Jake Fromm, watching Jacob Eason, Fromm looked like the better quarterback. And I think a lot of people, that kind of started that whole QB controversy there of, hey, who should be starting? And it didn't really end up mattering a whole lot because Eason went down very early, and Fromm got the job and never looked back. But that's the thing. Don't act like that. This is you can't take anything from this. Because well, what if Fields plays really, really well? I'm not saying that he's going to pip Fromm. But it could set up for, hey, this guy needs to see the field a lot as well. Sure. But, you know, I mean, the one thing, too, is last year is Eason was, was, was quarterbacking against the first-team defense, which we found out was one of the best in the country, and Fromm was throwing passes to guys being covered by walk-ons. Um, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, but here's the thing with Fromm. It's like he was coming in as a five-star. I don't think anyone doubted he was uh, any good, and the same thing applies to Fields, just – I think the difference in where we're at from this year from as opposed to last year in terms of the quarterback spot is for, Fromm's coming off an excellent season, whereas Eason was not. So right. I guess there was a little more heat on, uh, you know, as far as that goes. Yeah, certainly. But at the same time, I just think that don't necessarily buy into the narrative that spring games are just pointless scrimmages because I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I think these – sometimes I think in some places coaches can – Whatever the fans want to see, like if you've had a lousy offense, like they're going to make sure in the spring game that your offense looks like it's better, so they don't have to. Oh hear, yeah, yeah. They don't have, have to be take overblown. Any, for yeah, sure. they don't have to take any crap from anybody for the entire offseason. We're still not any better on offense, but <laughs> I just like. I mean, I'm sitting here and I mean, for the first time in in how long, it's just there's, you know, you're not sitting there wanting to see stuff out of Georgia like trying to convince yourself that this guy's definitely better and he's finally going to have his breakout season or this this is finally going to be be the year man our strength and conditioning program has finally gotten its act together and we're going to be in good shape there's like with this team now based on last year I don't I'm, I don't find like we're we're having to sit around and really trying to convince ourselves about anything or this team moving uh, forward it's not to say that there aren't questions out there but you know Honestly, I, I do. Still, at this point in the year, we're not going to get answers to those. There's still an entire off-season program to get to, and then, you know, a month of fall practice leading up to you know the actual season beginning. But it's just good to have, you know, be coming off an SEC championship and playing for the national championship, winning the Rose Bowl, and coming off that excellent season that you can actually get to spring and just kind of like not really have a ton to worry about as far as where the the program is right now. Right. I mean, George is in a very very good place. 
Uh, they're a team that uh, the over-under by the uh, shady Costa Rican uh, people that set the over-under sure. that came out the other day. Just trying to get your dough. What was it, 10 and a half, ten I believe? And, a half. and uh, you know, that obviously puts Georgia in a good place. Which, uh, I mean, yeah. to be, is probably about where it will be when, you know, legitimate operations also release those things later on. <laughs> Here's my question for you. If you were to put money down with that uh, – Costa Rican sports book right now put like a hundred on Georgia to go over ten and a half, and they hit, got eleven wins. What's the likelihood, or what's the over under that you would actually see that money? Well, here's the thing: I actually know a little bit about that per, that particular operation <laughs> because I have done business there before, and I have never had a problem being paid by them. Okay. However, within the last year, they were attached to another prominent sports offshore sports and sort of branched out on their own and now the word with them is they're they're struggling financially and there are reports of of people being slow paid or not paid at all and so um you you know so so here's what here's what they've accomplished is they they put out these win totals people started broadcasting they got some free advertising out of it and if it's a you know a company that's maybe a little strapped for cash what they're hoping for is that some diehard sec fans will uh will deposit money with them and they've got at least an eight-month cushion to collect interest on it because they know that they don't have to pay you until you know what the the beginning of december if you win right so you know, so I, I, I've, I don't mess around there anymore since they branched off on their own and the things are a little bit sketchy there. But a little shady. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think you, you might have to hold your breath if you did actually win. But the key is, is like, do you really want to like tie up money for eight months? No. Yeah. No. But, but I will say this: one thing we know about Saturday, Brain. Georgia's going to win. Georgia will win Saturday. There's no line on that. There's no line. You yeah. cannot bet on the game, but Georgia will indeed win on Saturday. All right, you're listening to the crossover here on 960theref.com as we transition now into the Braves, who just won their fourth straight home series to open the season. The first time they've done that since the year 2000. So uh, this team's definitely uh, caught some people by surprise. I know they played the Phillies. What was uh, was yesterday the their their ninth time playing the Phillies already? I think it was the sixth. Oh, they, six. Did okay. they play three and three? That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So it was it was their sixth time playing them. I was trying to do the calculations in my head of how many times you actually play a team every year. But now here's the thing: the Phillies don't come back to Atlanta now until the September, w- like the end of the year. Yeah, the week Georgia's playing Missouri. Wow. If you want to just get an idea of how long the baseball season is, there you go. I know there's a three-game set in Philadelphia at some point in, like, July or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but the Braves go to Philly a couple times, and then the last series of the year is in Philly. But, you know, just think, like, I mean, the, the, they've already been twice, and now so for for June – no, for, well, it's, we're still in April. So May, June, July, August – the Phillies are not coming to Atlanta. Well, that's the thing. Uh, you've already won two series against the team that a lot of people don't think is very likely to finish any better than you. So, I mean... Yeah, it, so it's good. It, well, that's the thing, yeah. but it's also not a very good baseball team. So, I, I, the Braves will definitely kick things up. I mean, they start a four-game series with the Mets. As I said, we're recording this on Thursday. So, a four-game series with the Mets starts tonight. And the Mets... Are pretty darn good this year as well. Yeah, I'm you know I'm looking at the Mets though, and I feel like they're probably due for a little bit of uh, after this hot start for for a little regression. So maybe the Braves could end up catching them at the right time here, uh, the way Atlanta's been playing. You know, Atlanta has the they've got the best run differential in the NL. Yeah, that's so, the thing. I mean, they're, they're scoring not a, runs. Yeah, I mean they're not a fluke, and the pitching is, you know, occasionally been good. Even Tehran the other night threw a. You know, uh, uh, gave up a run at home. Of course, it was a home run. 
struck out nine and got his first win of the season. Yeah, exactly. And and that was that was crazy. He finally won a game at SunTrust Park. Yeah. But uh, don't buy too much into that because he has consistently struggled there. So let's get him a few more starts at SunTrust doing well before we crown him the king of Cobb County. No, yeah. I mean, like I said, he still gave up a home run. I mean, right. that's the thing. He can't. He gives up a home run every start, which I think is it was the problem. Like the second pitch of the game. Or, I mean, it, it was, was like, the first batter, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was very quickly into the game that he had already gone down one to hey, nothing. Hey, he settled and, in after that. Well, man. I even reacted on Twitter. I was like, hey, stop me if you've heard this before. Julio Tron just gave up a first inning home run. You know, he's always putting himself behind the eight ball, it seems yeah. like. But, no, we well, should start like a Twitter bot that's just like, did Julio Tehran allow a home run? And just, yes, <laughs> no. <laughs> I love those Twitter bots. Those are great, though. Although the best website was, uh, and unfortunately this guy passed away, but it was uh, is AbeVagodaDead.com. <laughs> yeah, because he finally is He finally dead did now, pass yeah. away. I always yeah. like the one. There's one with uh, Big Ben in London that'll just, like, every hour, like, just start, start tweeting out, like, ding, ding. <laughs> is it the Big Ben? Yeah, it's Big bot? Ben, yeah. That's awesome. That is great stuff there. But for the Braves, I mean, a lot of these young players, uh, you know, played very well. And guys you never heard of, really, like a Preston Tucker comes in, he's playing very well. Ryan Flaherty's playing very well. Uh, you know, Ozzie Albee is a guy who everybody's heard of, has come in on fire so far this year. Dansby Swanson started the season off well. The bats are there. And I think the offense is going to be there all season. Unfortunately, Freddie Freeman uh, got hit in the wrist again. And uh, we're still awaiting the results of that. So, I mean, this might sound a little dated by the time we actually get those results. But for Freddie to go down again would be brutal. But at the same time, I mean, it, it does seem like right now they have enough bats to at least kind of keep afloat. Yeah. But he, yeah, he missed basically a month last year, too. A which, little uh, over a month, like a month and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully he'll be, a, um, he'll be all right. But the, um, but yeah, I mean, you, so far Tucker's like, you're going to call up Ronald Acuna? It's like, not so fast. Not so fast, my friend. Well, and Acuna's been struggling a little bit as well in AAA. I mean, he finally hit his first home run the other day. Yeah, but, uh, he's, he's off to a slow he's start. He's been off to a slow start, and uh, I think uh, Alex Anthopoulos, the GM, was kind of like, hey, we're going to let him get hot <laughs> or, or like get a little bit more consistent before we call him up. And speaking of Alex Anthopoulos, uh, the Braves have signed a guy that he's very familiar with from his time with the Blue Jays. Uh, Jose Bautista, you know, they just signed him to a minor league deal. They want him to play third base, but hey, with Freddie Freeman, if Freddie Freeman's out for a long period of time, you could put him at first base. He's more comfortable position. Yeah, I mean, the guy hit like twenty three home runs last season. He did strike so. out one hundred and seventy times. <laughs> oh, I know, but you know, for maybe an occasional some pop in there, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's funny the Braves with this like we're we're building for the future, and then over the last couple of years, they just keep adding these dinosaurs, like you know Matt Kemp. Yeah. Uh, for a little while. Bartolo Colon, yeah. who almost pitched a perfect game the other day. Against the reigning World Series champions. Now, how does that happen? Well, here's the thing about him. He was so awful for the Braves, and then he goes to the Twins last year. His first game out throws a complete game. Yeah. And then now he's with the Rangers throwing an almost perfect game against the defending World Series champions. I don't know how he was so bad for Atlanta. <laughs> like It just kind of didn't work I out. I know, but... Yeah, it didn't. R.A. Dickey was the best pitcher. But here's the thing about the signing of Jose Bautista. Very low risk. It's a minor league contract, and it could be a potentially high reward if the guy comes back and, and bounces back from a slower season last year. Yeah. I know we – it was like they did that with Ryan Howard last year, and it felt the same way, and then Howard never even made it up. He couldn't get a hit in AAA. Yeah. Since 2010, nobody – 
has hit more home runs in the major leagues than Jose Bautista. Yeah, but you know, it was like a, a, a year ago, I remember when the Braves played the Blue Jays in Atlanta and they there was a brawl or whatever, that they, things were getting hot because they had hit Freeman and mm-hmm. then they were mad because Bautista had homered and flipped his bat or whatever, so then they beamed him in the butt. Um, <laughs> but so it was like a, a year ago that the Braves were – he was getting un- he was still good enough to get under the Braves skin and yeah. then you know he hit like 200 last year but he still did hit two- 23 home runs and he hit like 20 something the year before so i don't know if he can come up and maybe mash a few out maybe cuz right now but that is like the one spot if he plays third base like who you know who's he, whose place is he taking Camargo's yeah the Braves don't really have a third baseman right no. now i mean i know the 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 guy that they hope will be up at some point is that Austin Riley right but, you know, he's not there yet. So, I, I mean, I guess I'd rather see Bautista in the lineup, even if he strikes out a ton more than Camargo. Or, I mean, is Adonis Garcia even still on the yeah, team? Yeah, I don't even know what happened to him. Yeah. But that's the thing. Jose Bautista, A, is a guy you know. B, a guy that you know can be a very successful offensive player. So that's the thing. Maybe, you know, maybe a new scenery, you know, new set of circumstances. He could have a good year for the Braves. We don't know yet, but again, there's a minor league contract, so very low risk. Yeah. You know, maybe hit a home run every uh, week, week and a half or something. Works for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. You're you're not paying him a whole lot. I think this is more of a him trying to prove himself to other teams type thing because this is not going to be a situation where he's on the Braves past the end of this season, I wouldn't think. So that could be a, hey, this is my audition for some other teams to try and go out there, maybe get a designated hitter contract or something for one more go-around in the American League. Yeah, because I know, you know, who knows what he's like defensively at third. I know he's played there a little bit, but... Hadn't played there, I think, since 2007 is what I saw when he was with the Pirates. Yeah, he could be a bit of a liability on the the hot corner. Maybe just a little bit. Hopefully they don't decide to move Freeman back over there like they did last year. That That was was about a dumb idea. A stupid decision. No question about it. All right, last but not least here on this edition of the crossover, we're going to talk something that I never thought we would really be mentioning in the same sentence. (laughs) LeBron James and Nick Saban. They're both great at what they do. You know, Nick Saban, one of the best, if not the best college football coach of all time. LeBron, one of the best, if not the best NBA player of all time. So they're the, the, the tip top of their professions. And guys like that tend to get a little bit arrogant. And LeBron James sent a seasoned assist to Alabama because uh, he has this show uh, on his website, his digital platform called the, that's called Uninterrupted, where a bunch of guys just sit around in a barbershop and, and talk about stuff. And so Alabama kind of started the same type thing with Julio Jones, Nick Saban, and some other guys just sitting around in a barbershop setting. And LeBron wasn't too happy about it. He thought that Nick Saban and Alabama had encroached upon his intellectual property. And so sending that cease and desist and Nick Saban basically jibed back at LeBron. He was like, Oh, I think he's a great player. We're not going to stop doing it though. And then LeBron was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm sure he was going to say that, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'll be, I think he said, I'll be damned if I'm going to let someone just rip me off yeah, like that. They'll let the lawyers sort it out is what he said. Oh, and by the way, LeBron is now being sued for stealing this idea from someone else. And when this whole thing came out, my initial reaction to this was, so LeBron James thinks he's the first person to ever have the idea of dudes sitting around talking in a barbershop. And you and I mentioned this earlier in this podcast. This goes all the way back to coming to America. Well, and I'm sure coming to America got the idea from somewhere, too. Like, I'm sure the, I'm sure the, the, 
the the first person to have the idea of sitting around in a barber shop and talking was probably the first guy who ever opened a barber shop. Right. So, so he should be suing all of us. Right. Unfortunately, he's probably long gone. But like (laughs) the um, like LeBron's going to go one and one here. He's gonna he's gonna not successfully sue Saban, but he will win his lawsuit against the person. Oh, whoever this other guy is, yeah. yeah. But he ain't beating Saban. I did know that. um, Although Bama changed, they did change their logo. Bama cuts, I think, because their I mean their logo did look similar that to LeBron. That part was a little suspicious, right. but the whole... And so they changed their logo. The whole notion that LeBron is the first person to have ever come up with this idea, this trope has been around, as we just mentioned, for a long time, including the Ice Cube movie Barbershop. Right. <laughs> and then also Ice Cube was in a movie Friday where I believe they sit around in a barbershop and, uh, and talk. That's right. So it's... um. Yeah, I mean, it's been around forever. And, I mean, Saban did point that out. It was like, I don't know. I thought there were like 20 shows with bar- people sitting around barbershops and talking. I've never seen LeBron's. But <laughs> aren't there a lot of like guys that do that? Like, yes, the Saban is correct there. So, yeah, I, I, I sided with the Emperor on that one. I did too, but I'm 100% on board with a King James versus the Emperor beef because that would be highly entertaining. Uh, yeah, it'd be good. I'm sure Saban at some point will decide he doesn't really have any time for that, though. No, but I mean, I, I actually watched, I, I, I watched like a clip of LeBron's, and then I went and watched a little bit of the Julio Jones, Nick Saban, and someone else. I don't remember who the other guy was. But yeah, like Saban's just standing there with his arms folded, like kind of like talking to the guys, and then one dude's getting like a straight razor shave, and like Julio's sitting there talking to him, too. My whole thing about this, too, is like, yeah, the trope, the, the the idea has been around in various forms of media for a long time. So if LeBron were to sue Alabama, he ain't going to win that. Here's the thing <laughs> about that that format, though, is to me, you should actually be in there getting your hair cut. Right. So, uh, like for, so for Saban just to be standing in there with his <laughs> arms folded, like, no, you should be in the chair getting your hair cut oh, talking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. You know, here here's what I like about it, though, is because Saban talked about he wanted to do it because, you know, now there's – you know, there's misconceptions out there about recruiting and the job they're doing. I'm like, there's a guy that he's he's getting a little nervous about what's brewing here in Athens. Oh, no doubt. He's trying. Well, he's, that's the thing. He's trying to do what Kirby and this staff have done so well, and that's connect to the recruits and connect to the youth and the way that, you know, the millennial mindset, if you will. Right. You know, that they're all about – uh, different forms of absorbing media and for him to do an online short like that that's the kind of thing that kids are watching nowadays he because he didn't just lose his reign in recruiting national championship he lost it to kirby yeah and that's that's got to eat at him more than if it had just been all right ohio state had the number one class this mm-hmm. year or usc did or someone but it was Kirby. Kirby left him and then outdid him in recruiting in just two years. Although I will say that Nick Saban got the actual national championship over Kirby in uh, showdown number one. He did. I mean, but that's <laughs> all those previous recruiting championships were still paying off. But like moving forward, though, that's where the uh, things could be turning. Yeah, no doubt about that. So very much looking forward to the uh i guess the continued success of georgia football against alabama both in recruiting and hopefully on the field but i'm also again 100 percent here for a lebron james and nick saban feud because again i think that would be the the passive aggressive behavior of both parties would just make for some great like the, the you know subtweeting 
or you know just talking about someone you know, subtweeting is what we call it now but it's basically talking about someone without actually talking about them you yeah. know that, that's what we'd get that a lot it, it, once upon a time that was it was subtext that's right the subtext. subtext now it's yeah now we got to it's subtweeting reading between the doing. lines but um <laughs> yeah i think eventually the it'll be the the lawyers battling it out or it'll get dropped altogether because Yeah, LeBron didn't, and he didn't invent sitting around in a barbershop and talking. No, he did not. All right, for Chris Bram, I'm Sam Franco. Bram and I will both be at the UGA Bookstore on G-Day, noon to 2, getting you ready for the spring football game that kicks off at 4 o'clock on Saturday, April 21st. But again, for Chris Bram, I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, we are on iTunes. Search for the crossover. Subscribe, rate, and review. It's very simple. Throw us out a little five-star love. We'd greatly appreciate it, and it vaults us up the charts. So we would greatly appreciate that from all of our wonderful listeners out there via the World Wide Web. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of The Crossover. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode right here on 960therep.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960therep.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.